How you doing? This is Sam Tolley, trusting the truth. And the question for today is, is God a liar? Um, most Christians would take that as a rhetorical question, which it is. <laughs> but there are those that think that God isn't a liar. And unfortunately, there are many Christians that don't think that God's a liar, but treat him as if he were a liar. And I hope to demonstrate some of that this evening. Now, in the, the photo that I opened the show with uh, is reminiscent of when I was in a, a child in an elementary school. <clears throat> they used to show this photo, or they had it on the board, this complication of, of man on one end and some kind of mammal on the other end. They were showing these different lines of evolution, as it were, that they were claiming that we went through this evolutionary process. And it was subtle when I was a kid. It wasn't something that uh, was really talked about that much. But the embedding of that is very interesting to me now, because now <clears throat> I look at our society as one that has completely abandoned uh, the Christian foundation that this nation was built on, and one that has embraced secular humanism and evolution to boot. I mean, we, we, we tell kids when they're growing up that they were evolved from nothing. And, um, you know, they're just, they're just an accident of creation. And now we've gotten this society that is so warped that they don't even know how, how to even show a, a, a rational foundation of morality. They have to make it up as they go. Because if they go all the way back to the biblical times, they're going to find out that our foundation is God. But I'm not going to get into the evolutionary uh, argument this evening. You know, from the video, uh, excuse me, that from the picture that I displayed, I want to get into the evolution of man, or shall I say the devolution of man down to this transgenderism thing. That's why I had this, this weird-looking guy in a tutu at the end. Um, so since it's, it seems now that we're, we've gotten to the point where if evolution was real, it's not going fast enough for us. We have to evolve ourselves. We have to move on and create what isn't as if it were. So the first thing I want to do is show a logical, a little short logical video um, on transgenderism. I want you to take a look at this. You're in a conversation and someone says, gender identity is reality. The only way to know someone's gender is to ask. What would you say? Today, 
Some people distinguish between biological sex and gender identity. We're told they are unrelated, meaning your body has nothing to do with your gender. Further, we're told that some people are born into the wrong body. While gender dysphoria is a real and challenging situation, the logic used to justify gender identity as the basis of reality is just as challenging, but in a different way. And here are three reasons why. First, feelings don't determine reality anywhere else. They shouldn't determine gender either. The desire to support a friend is understandable, even noble, but we have to think at least as deeply as we feel. We don't allow feelings to determine our age, height, weight, or species. All those things are objectively determined for us at birth. Even if we were adopted, we can't change who our parents are or the influence of their DNA. Thin people who feel overweight are called anorexic and we try to help them. It's cruel to affirm their need to lose weight and watch them starve. The compassionate thing to do is be kind and help them see themselves as they really are. Which leads to the second point. If gender is a social construct, you can't be born in the wrong body. In an effort to explain transgenderism, we're told that gender is a social construct. By this, they mean that gender is not rooted in any fixed reality, but in our preferences and cultural norms. And since gender is a social construct, they say, male and female have no fixed definition. Here's the challenge with this logic. If male and female cannot be objectively defined, it's not possible to be born into the wrong body. If you can't be right, you can't be wrong either. In the world they offer us, where gender is simply a matter of feelings and opinions, there's no such thing as a male or female body. A man or woman can be born into any kind of body. Yet, 10 seconds later, they tell us that some people are born into the wrong body. This is like giving a child a test and telling them there are no right answers to the questions, but there are wrong answers. You should expect confusion. The intentions are no doubt good, but the logic is not. Which leads to the third point. If there is no clear definition of a man or woman, it's not possible to feel like a woman. We are told that some people born with male bodies feel like a woman, and vice versa. We are expected to accept that those feelings determine their reality. The problem is that the same people who tell us that some men feel like a woman also tell us that there is nothing unique about being a woman. In fact, the headlines assure us that men can give birth and women can be fathers. This begs the question, if the ability to birth a child doesn't make you a woman, why would a feeling make you a woman? How can anything be uniquely female? We all want to be kind and we want to respect the fact that other people's experiences are different than our own. But we need to think at least as deeply as we feel. Good intentions aside, the logic of transgenderism is incoherent. So next time someone tells you that gender identity determines your gender, remember these three things. Feelings don't determine reality anywhere else. They shouldn't determine our gender either. Our height, eye color, genes, race, and even our gender are beyond our control. If gender is a social construct, you can't be born into the wrong body. If there's no such thing as a male or female body, 
it's not possible to be born into the wrong body. If there's no clear definition of a man or woman, it's not possible to feel like a woman. If childbirth isn't uniquely female, how can a feeling be? For what would you say, I'm Joseph Backholm. I hope well, the man has pretty good logic. And it's amazing that even in this day and age, we need logic to question transgenderism. Um, but that's where our society has fallen to. That's something that would have been simply understood as being unusually strange now requires um, a different approach, something that we would have never even had to discuss 10 years ago. And 20 years ago, it would have been something that would have been, well, at least, I mean, it wouldn't have been discussed as far as in the masses of society. I mean, I think it was in the 50s, this person named Christine Jorgensen, or whatever his name was before, uh, had surgery to alter his body. But that was such a fringe thing. It was like a freak show um, <clears throat> that nobody would have paid attention to, or at least 99.95% of the, the population. But now we have a society where this is accepted and is expected to be accepted by everyone. And that's when it comes into conflict with people of the Christian faith. Now, all sins originate in Genesis. Everything originates in Genesis. Genesis is the book of beginning. So when we're going to talk about transgenderism, we need to go back to the beginning. So let's take a walk through the book of Genesis, a little, a little walk, a little stroll as it would be. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, and starting in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over every, uh, and over the earth, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You know, I know Christians have read this over and over again. It's like, it's, it's nothing spectacular as far as your memory goes, but it is spectacular as far as what it's staying. God made everything and he made man in his image. Can you, of all the creatures throughout the world, and as far as we know, there is no other worlds where life exists, but if there were life exists someplace else, God still made <clears throat> every uh, creature, but he has given man the highest honor. Man, the highest honor. He's made man in his image, in the image of God. It doesn't get any better than that. And he said in verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply 
and fill the earth and subdue it. Now we can get into a long thing with climate change here in that one little area. And we can get a long thing with overpopulation in that same space because God said for us to be fruitful. Fill the earth, subdue it, use the resources, use the gas, use the oil, have babies. If God is God and he's in control of everything, why would we worry about overpopulation? You know, in earlier verses, I should have wrote it down. God told the animals to multiply. He didn't tell them to use birth control, but I don't want to get on a tangent right now. Or he didn't tell them to limit how many babies they had. But so do it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God has given that to man. I mean, anyone that thinks or understands or believes in God and the wondrousness of him and the fact that as a Christian, you can expect to live throughout eternity with God must appreciate the fact that you're not a dog or a cat, that you're not a rat or a snake or a bird or anything else. But you were created separately and apart from all creation, you know, whereas the evolutionist wants you to think that you came from a monkey or a baboon and the monkey or baboon came from some other kind of mammal and other kind of mammal originally came out uh, from some kind of creature in the ocean that decided to get on land one day. You know, and that creature in the ocean that decided to get on land one day evolved from some fish or some other kind of ocean-bearing thing, I assume. And all of it, all of it originated from the same thing. And, and that same, and that same thing was an inanimate object, an inanimate uh, uh object created an animate object. And then on top of that, it all came from nothing. This is what they'd have us believe. That you sitting there, if you're watching me or whatever you're watching, with a mind that can process what I'm talking about, with eyes that can see and can also read what I'm displaying, originated from nothing. That with, without any kind of uh, direction, without any kind of <clears throat> source or power, Gee, this just sort of happened. The same people that say stupid stuff like that, and I say it's stupid, do not, well, you can never convince them that a tire that's on your car just made itself. Something as simple as a tire, whereas the, the human body is ultraly complex. But a tire, they would never, oh, that tire can't make itself, or the road, the asphalt road that the tire is riding on, they would never accept that. But anyway, the point is, this God that gives us air to breathe, food to eat, that keeps the planet in, in, in correct orbit and synchronization so there's life here on Earth. This God made us in his image. Why did he do that? 
He didn't have to do that. I'm not going to get too deep into that right now. I should have thought about it before I did this, but basically he did it for his own glory. But the fact of it is, he did it. So he gave man this. This, this is what he gave. He gave us power, dominion over this whole earth. But man likes to screw up. So let's go to our next slide here. And in Genesis chapter 3, we get to the point where man started acting stupid. And I say man acts stupid because, number one, man didn't control his wife in this situation because the sin falls on Adam. But anyway... In Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse, I'm excuse me, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you should not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. The serpent, and this is symbolic of the devil, maybe he was in the form of a snake uh, when he was talking to her, Lied on God. Just flat out lied on God. Eve didn't take the time to recognize or think about that, I guess. Because she went on about the business of trusting what the serpent said instead of trusting the word of God. Now, she had direct access, her and her husband. Unlike us who have a Bible, unlike us. She had direct access to God. God walked with them in the garden. They had access to him. And God made his position clear. She understood it, although she elaborated a little bit more than God what God said, because he never said anything about touching the tree. At least he didn't say it. It didn't get in print for us. But she went on and took of the fruit. Gave it to her husband. He was right there with her. He didn't stop her when he should have. And that brought sin into the world. At that point, they died. They died spiritually that day. They didn't die physically. They were dying. The, the death process of the human body had started in them. But the fact of it is, is they denied to, they decided not to trust and believe in what God said, and they decided to trust and believe in what the devil said through the serpent. And all of us have been paying the cost ever since. And, and, and through their denial, wickedness started metastasizing like a, like a cancer, as it were. You know, they had their sons, Cain and Abel, and then jealousy, uh, from Cain, and he killed Abel. 
And then he was worried about God killing him or letting some man kill him. And that's funny. Why didn't he think about that beforehand? <laughs> but I guess, you know, I don't want to get on him too hard because we've all done stupid stuff. And then wonder why did we do it? So. What does this have to do with transgenderism? It has to do with transgenderism in the fact that sin corrupted mankind. And it got so bad. It got so bad. That still in Genesis. It said the Lord. Genesis 6. Chapter Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously. Think about that verse. Think about that verse. <laughs> every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously. Talking about man, it, this verse brings to mind later on when Abraham um, is going toward the promised land and God meets him in the desert with the two angels and then the angels go to visit Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And when the angels get over there to visit Abraham's cousin Lot, they see the wickedness of the city. And, it, and it's so, and, and the men, the men who are supposed to be the head, the men who are supposed to watch after their wives and their children and direct and protect and lead them, were so consumed with sexual relations with each other. that they have just they just went nuts all of them and so you know the, these people were so messed up that when the angels came to stay with lot they was beating on lot's door wanting to get to those men wanting to have sexual relations with those men well lot um you know, was trying to be hospitable and protect those men. And many Middle Eastern cultures uh, call that if someone comes into your house, you are called to protect them. Not just give them uh, comfort, but to protect them, even at the cost of your own life. And then Lot did some stupid stuff, whereas he uh, said, look, I got two virgin daughters. You can have them. Now, I heard a preacher recently say something that I didn't think about. And he said, well, <clears throat> Lot knew the character of those men. And he knew they wasn't going to want any woman, women, but he was offering his daughters anyway. So he was hoping that that would appease them or whatever. I don't know. You know, and like I said, that's what he said or what he thinks. But the fact of it is, is 
they they weren't interested in having lots of daughters. They told Lot, "Hey, you don't want to give a give up these dudes. We we'll take you. We we're gonna treat you as bad or worse than we would treat him." And so the angels blinded them. They blinded them. And you you would think, I mean, a rational normal human being would think that if if you're Whatever you're doing, particularly if you're out there doing wrong, you know, I'm trying to go break in this building and steal something or whatever. If you, if you the normal human being would think, okay, uh, all of a sudden, bam, I can't see no more. You would be freaking out. Wait a minute. Lord, help me. God, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't, I, I, I can't see. But the Bible says these guys are just grappling at the door. They were still you know, grabbing at the door, trying to get to the dudes. They were like it says here. Every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously. That's what those guys are like. It didn't matter. They couldn't see no more. They just wanted to get to those angels who they thought were men. So in verse 6, it says, And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him to his heart. You know, say God has emotions. In the New, in the New Testament, it talks about grieve, you know, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, many people try to claim that the God of the Old Testament was this mean, harsh, evil dude. And, and Jesus was a nice, soft, loving dude in front. But it says right here, it grieves God's heart. It upset him. Now, honestly, if we want to be honest, it's hard for us to completely, from our human experience, understand that since God knows everything and knew everything and knew what was going to happen before it happened. So in our brains, like, well, well, God, you knew that. But if you think about that also, God knew that I was going to sin and screw up before he even made me and you too. And he still did it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the clay can't tell the potter what to do. We don't necessarily understand everything. He said his ways are higher than our ways. But the text, and that is what he gave us to rely on. That is what he gave us to guide us you know, and to protect us is his word. And so he regretted it. We pissed him off that much from the stupid stuff we were doing. And so the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of, of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. So God got mad. And some people say, you know, oh, he gets mad. He's gotten mad, but he's hot. But the fact of it is, God had already promised to redeem us in Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 15, I believe it was, around there. He, he, he promised that he was going to redeem man. And therefore, and also there was a righteous man named Noah. So he kept Noah, Noah's wife, his sons, and their wives. And started all over again. So he didn't destroy us all, but he got rid of the rest of them folks because of our 
evil self. And we need to be mindful of that. You know, he didn't have to do it. You know, but he decided to continue on with us. But then again, God's not the liar that Satan is. See, Satan was a liar, not God. Satan is the one that lied in the beginning, and he's the one that's still lying today. But many of us are falling for that lie, or, or, or we, we, we fall for it in different ways. But nevertheless, I want to show you this other video before I continue. And I want to show you uh, this doctor is talking about transgenderism. This one is shorter than the first one, so let's take a look at it. Dysphoria is a, a condition where a person's physical, biological sex is one, say a boy, but in the person's mind they think they're really a girl or vice versa. It's not something that you can identify on any objective test. You can't do a blood test, for example, you can't do MRI imaging, you can't do genetic testing to actually find this gender identity. My name is uh, Dr. Michael Laidlaw, I'm an endocrinologist uh, in Rockland, California. This gender identity, which is really a child saying, I believe I'm this, I believe I'm a boy, I believe I'm a girl, something opposite of their body. Once they say that, they go down this road of gender affirmative therapy. That consists of social transition, wearing, say, stereotypical clothes of the opposite sex uh, to pretend that they're the opposite sex. Then these puberty blockers, then these cross-sex hormones, and then finally surgical modifications to the body to try to make the person appear that they're the opposite sex. Puberty blockers are, are powerful hormones. Um, they act on a small gland in the brain called the pituitary, and this controls the sex organs. For example, testicles make testosterone, ovaries make estrogen, and the pituitary controls that happening. Now these blockers stop this action, and then whereas, say, a, a girl is in age nine and continuing or beginning to develop in puberty and should continue on until a full adult woman, it's stopped. Once you stop it, uh, there are various harms and problems that occur afterwards. Unfortunately, many of our professional organizations uh, are advocating for this, including uh, Endocrine Society. And it's important to bear in mind that there's very small groups of people controlling these societies. Small groups of people are making these pronouncements and then when physicians want to turn to what's the best practice, they're finding these things. And there's no rigorous research done. There's no controlled studies. It's very poor research, but it's, I guess, politically correct to go down these roads by these uh, organizations. Doctors will feel compelled to follow what their organization says without really looking into the evidence necessarily. There is heavy duty propaganda basically going on, but these gender clinics have uh, sprung up and have multiplied all across the country. The numbers are going up around the world, in the UK, Canada, here, other places. More and more kids are, are being um, diagnosed with this, and there's a social contagion component, people, uh, kids going on to, you know, YouTube, Tumblr, things like that. So the, so the cases are rising. It's a major problem that we have to address. In my practice as a physician, 
I always look at side effects of medications before I give anything to anyone. Say for diabetics, I always tell them, you know, if you can work on your diet and exercise first, I'd rather have you do that than take these medications because there's, there's side effects and there's problems that are potential. But if you need it, then, then you need to take it. With this, I can see no need to take these medications. I see the risk as being very high. And I see children as a very vulnerable population who can't speak up for themselves and their parents are often propagandized by this movement. I've met a lot of these parents. Uh, my heart goes out to them. I've seen their kids and pictures of their kids and it really, it's about helping kids. It's horrible. You know, watching some of this stuff, it's just, it's just flat out horrible. I, uh, parents are supposed to protect their children. I used to be a believer, a firm believer in the medical field. I, well, let me say, I, I just trusted them. And I trusted Big Pharma. I, I, had, I had no reason in my mind not to trust them. I mean, I knew that doctors are fallible like anybody else. They can make mistakes. But I thought that every physician out there was trying to do what was best for the patient. It took this pandemic to change my mind about a lot of things. It took, it took this transgenderist movement to let me also see a lot of things. Uh, when they started forcing, trying to force things upon people, and then they tried to make you feel bad if you don't take the, the shot, they tried to intimidate you and, and make you feel like you're a leper and that you're stupid and all this other stuff. And people will just go ahead and go with it. Well, there, there, there's those that will just go ahead and go with what they're told, period. Fear just drives and they believe everything that they're, they're, they're told. And it's funny to me, not funny in the sense that it's humorous. I mean, for example, uh, there are many people that I knew um, during the Trump organization, uh, when Trump was in office and I would hear Mr. Biden and, and Ms. Harris talk about they don't trust his vaccine and, and wouldn't take it while Trump was in office because they don't trust Donald Trump. But as soon as Trump was out of office, they were telling everybody to take it. And they um, acknowledged that the very same people that were talking when Trump was in office that were making that stuff were the same people that made it when Trump got out of office. Now, they think that many folks that supported Trump, and I was a Trump supporter, would just blindly do whatever Trump said. Well, I never intended on taking the shot, ever, because there was not enough information behind it. They were rushing that thing out, and, and they were trying to uh, uh, get people to subject themselves to it. And I'm not the kind of person that you can just try to scare me into doing something or try to make me embarrass me into doing something you know as a little kid i remember i caught a lot of hack as a little kid and they used to talk about uh bullying people like now they got these no bullying laws don't bully kids well when i was a little kid i got bullied everybody got bullied to one degree or another you're gonna learn how to take it and grow up or you're gonna crash and burn so i learned how to take it and so by the time i got over i'm not gonna be intimidated by people i don't care who you are 
what your credentials are, anything. I'm going to try to use my brain, God-given common sense. In the same degree with this um, pandemic and them trying to shove these needles down us and, and, and put this stuff in it that we're finding out doesn't even work, they're trying to shove this transgender stuff down on us. They're trying to make us think that this is a good thing and that we're supposed to accept it. <laughs> you know, when, you know, I was it was amazing to me that when Biden was running for president and he was saying an eight-year-old should be able to decide uh, what sex they are. If we had an honest news um, companies, if they were honest, they would have been all over him like they got all over Trump about every little thing he said, whether it was true or not true. But they just let it go and act like it was nothing. Now, I used to have eight-year-olds. Eight-year-olds don't have good sense. But now we're at this point where we have schools that want to give children puberty blockers that will, that, that, that will help them try to uh, acquire you know, drugs and things that help them change their, their bodily appearance. Because you can't change the DNA. You can't change what a person is. They will, they, we have schools now that will tell, you know, encourage children to ex, um, redefine who they are. I mean, we got schools that, that want to teach kindergartners sex education. And I'm talking about explicit stuff. So here we are. We, we, we got these schools. We got these people that want to uh, help our children in their minds with gender dysphoria change their sexual appearance, mutilate their bodies. I'm going to get explicit here. I'm talking about having boys castrated before they ever had an erection and reconstructing their penis into Vaginas and having little girls with double mastectomies. I mean, this is this is this is this is Frankenstein kind of stuff that we got going on. But it's 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 going on, it's pervasive throughout society. And the medical and psychiatric fields are either endorsing it or they're shutting up. Why? because of the same thing that they were doing to people during the pandemic, fear, fear, fear. They're going to cut you off from your money, fear. They're going to cut you out of your medical degrees and your ability to practice. I don't know what you want to call it. If you're going to practice medicine. If, if the only medicine you can practice is what they authorize, just like in the pandemic, they wouldn't let doctors do what they thought were the best procedures and practices that treat their patients. They wouldn't let them use hydroxychloroquine or ivermexin or other things because they were trying to push the shot. Push the shot because there was money. Big Pharma was getting paid. And whoever else was getting paid or got paid already to make sure it happened. So this, this transgenderism stuff that they're pushing on our children Folks are getting paid. Medical uh, uh, 
organizations are springing up around the country that are willing to castrate your son or mutilate your daughter. And what blows my mind is you would think the church would be up in arms going nuts. But for the most part, they're not. You get people that get excited here and there, but there isn't enough excitement. You know, when our rights start truncating slowly and slowly, and they're truncating them. You know, the First Amendment was on full assault with the pandemic. You say the wrong thing, they would shut down your social media account. People have to talk in code. Well, don't take the thing. Instead of saying, wait a minute, that stuff is poison. That stuff is deadly. You know, they got they, they, they have autopsies where they're pulling fibers out of people that look like spaghetti. I mean, rubber bands out of your body, things that morticians never saw before. Well, how are you going to feel if your eight-year-old, you know, say, gee, golly, daddy, you know, I, I think I'm a girl. And you let that boy get castrated. And they're putting all, pumping all that junk in him. And then six years later, when he's 14 or, or, or when he turns 18, he say, what the heck did you do to me? Why did you let that happen to me? Remember when I said in the beginning, God created us in his image. God wasn't a liar. Satan was. And we are supposed to represent God. I'm talking about the Christian. The Christian. And even if you, we don't, as a, as a Christian, say we don't have uh, the transgender stuff or our kids don't have the transgender stuff, we should be screaming from the hilltops about the other children, the other the people that have been in this situation. Because our, our, our calling is to call everybody into the kingdom of God. That, that is the commandment from Matthew chapter 28. That we're supposed to go in all nations and making disciples after the Lord. Do you know as a Christian, and, and these people as a Christian, look, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Goes on saying you were paid with a price. Our body. The believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, these people who have mutilated themselves, they're still male and they're still female, no matter what they think they are now. But if they come in to the love of God, they will have, their bodies will be the temple of the Holy Spirit, but they're a mutilated temple. 
We should be doing everything we can to prevent that. We should be doing everything. Like I said, all men are made in the image of God and women. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he has different ways of doing it. There are people in, in, in the news media, in government, in the medical field, and all, a lot of these other fields that their God is money. And they're willing to sacrifice you, your children, or anybody else for the love of the dollar. They don't care. That's why they won't warn you. That's the way they go around and say, oh, it's okay. Well, look, it's not okay. I said, the rhetorical question I asked up front was, is God a liar? Well, let God answer. In Numbers, chapter 23 and verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should change his mind has he said and will it not excuse me has he said and will he not do it or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it no god doesn't lie and he's not going to change his mind and all this nonsense about well you know this isn't my, you know, I, I was born in the wrong body and, 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 and this is not my body. And I, you know, I should have been in it. Oh, you, you calling God a liar too. You were born who God made you, whether it was male or female. And there's, and there's nothing wrong with you. The enemy is telling lies and he has many demons out there working for him in the public sector. Demons and people who don't care about you. But God cares about you. And he's telling you the truth. If you get a hold of his word and you start trusting in him, you don't have to worry about these folks. In Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promises before the ages begin. So God should not lie. God never lies. He don't need to. He's God. So you go back to what we said originally. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. Gave us the highest place of creation. He didn't make us a God, but he made us in his image. And we are, many of us, are rejecting that. Making ourselves God in our own mind which is basically a distortion that Satan is fostering. That's what it is. 
It's just a counterfeit of the devil. This is, I'm going to have to keep my thoughts clear on this, so I wrote it down. I said transgenderism is an abomination. It is a desecration of the image of God. It is a satanic counterfeit of God's creative work. It must be rejected by the church. We must be compassionate to those with distorted minds and mutilated bodies. But we must never, ever accept, condone, or refuse to speak out against transgenderism. And any other thing that's an abomination of God for that matter. Don't let the enemy trick you with false compassion. Oh, you, you, you don't understand. You're mean. You need to you need to help them. Yes, I would we I would love to help them. They made laws in California where they made it illegal to help people with gender dysphoria, meaning folks that don't know what they are, and they think that they're in the wrong body. The church has always been there to help people. Christian counselors have always been there to help people. But the enemy doesn't want us to help people. The enemy wants us to keep embracing evil. Isaiah 5 and 20, call good evil and evil good. That's what they want. But the church is supposed to stand against the evil. We must never accept transgenderism. And by the way, if you've been paying any attention, the LBGTQ plus whatever and all those folks, they are sworn enemies against biblical Christianity. Oh, they're, they're good for the metropolitan church which is a homosexual church. They're good for people that have a fluffy idea of Christianity, that have fake Bibles or don't believe in the real Bibles that they have. They're good with people that have the veneer of Christianity, but not the power. They're good with people that, okay, you know, we go along to get along. But no, that's not what we were called to do. In 1 Peter chapter 1, and let us see here, verse 15, it says, But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy for I am holy. God has called us to holiness, to righteousness, to be light and salt. And we can't be that if we condone evil. We must, the, the light takes away from the darkness. We can't accept darkness and pretend is, or just say, ignore it. That wasn't, that wasn't our calling. The church must stand firm and help stop this desecration 
of God's image. Help these poor people. Help them, those that have been butchered and mentally twisted. And save these children from ever letting that happen to them. And we must call our so-called leaders, the media, and everybody else that promotes this stuff to account. And if the persecution comes our way, so be it. Jesus said we will be persecuted. But it's more important to stand for righteousness here and now than to get in the face of a living God and be judged. Because he says judgment starts in the house of God first. And the last thing anybody, the last thing anybody, particularly someone who's supposed to be a believer, want to hear is the words, I never knew you. Is God a liar? Absolutely not. Transgenderism is a lie. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. This is Sam Tolley. And I'm out.